This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intricasso. Joining me today for my 280th interview is Mr. Clark Reed to discuss the Environmental Protection Agency's Energy Star Portfolio Manager Program. Mr. Reed serves as Energy Star's National Program Manager. Clark, welcome to the program. David, thank you. Thank you for uh, for being here uh, and and for inviting Energy Star and me in particular to, to be under podcast today. We're uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and and share our story with your listeners. Uh, you're most welcome. Mr. Reed's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. Briefly on background, nearly two years ago, I argued in Stat News, HHS should require healthcare providers to publicly disclose their greenhouse gas emissions that in tune would enable, that in turn rather, would enable implementing plans to decarbonize the industry. In order to do this, I noted the EPA's Energy Star Portfolio Manager tool that today well over 50% of hospitals use to benchmark and manage their energy consumption or moreover, improve their energy efficiency. Energy Star, an online energy tracking and benchmarking tool for commercial buildings that account for 20% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, was jointly created by the DOE, Department of Energy, and the EPA in 1992 under authority of the Clean Air Act. The program has become the standard by which, for example, approximately 40 cities and other governing jurisdictions throughout the U.S. mandate reductions in building greenhouse gas emissions, as well as by authorities overseas, including the European Union. Energy consumption is particularly a concern to the U.S. healthcare industry. As listeners are well aware, U.S. healthcare accounts for approximately 9% of total U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. This is explained in part by the fact that while representing less than 5% of the total area in the commercial sector, healthcare facilities are responsible for over 10% of total energy consumption. This is largely due to the fact that hospitals are on average more than two times as energy intensive as European hospitals, measured as kilowatt hours consumed per meter square. With me again to discuss or explain Energy Star far more intelligently is Clark Reed, the National Program Manager. So with that, Clark, as some background, let's just start at the beginning. I did note um in my intro, but let me just ask you if you could add some color as it relates moreover to the purposes of why Energy Star was created. Um, well, Energy Star, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is a, it's a joint program of the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Energy. Its goal is to help consumers and businesses and industry to save money and protect the environment through the adoption of energy efficient products and practices. Last year uh, was a very significant milestone for for us because the program celebrated its 30th anniversary. It is, I believe, one of the most successful public-private partnerships of the federal government. People see that little blue logo on consumer products and on buildings, and they know that it is the symbol for energy efficiency. And products and buildings that are certified as Energy Star by the EPA cost less to operate. They're better for the environment because they use less energy. 
And since about 60% of the electricity is generated in the U.S. by burning fossil fuels like coal and natural gas, using less energy means less carbon emissions and other pollutants that are generated. And so um, I work in the commercial buildings side of the program. And back in the mid-90s, when I was just starting my career, EPA helped change the way building owners think about and define energy efficiency. And up to that point in time, owners just assumed that constructing a modern building to the latest code and filling it with modern equipment would make the building energy efficient. Now, that seems to make intuitive sense, right? New equipment often uses less energy than earlier versions manufactured maybe 10 or 20 years earlier. Modern building codes continually improve and require more insulation or better windows than older codes. So, of course, new buildings are going to be more efficient, right? Well, except that they weren't. Our studies and research found a new building was not any more likely to use less energy on average than an older building. But why is that, we asked? Well, building codes only specify minimum standards for the building envelope, HVAC equipment efficiency, and things like lighting. And even though updated codes are better than previous versions, there's still wide latitude between minimum code and best practice. Codes don't address bug and process loads, which can be extremely high in buildings. Codes don't address building orientation or technology choice either, for that matter. And they don't address the oversizing of equipment, which can lead to higher energy use. And so the, the difference between an efficient building and one that's not can also be explained by the quality of the construction, whether the building was commissioned before operations, kind of like a Navy ship gets commissioned before it, it starts its official um, life, you know, in the fleet. Buildings are that complex. They need to be commissioned. Um, the frequency of maintenance or the combination of all these sort of factors all play a role. And as you can see, there's just a lot of links in the chain to a high-performing building. And so that's why EPA defined an energy-efficient building in the Energy Star program as one that performs in the top 25th percent of the population compared to its peers. We wanted to get building owners thinking about how they could improve the energy performance of their buildings regardless of when they were built. A lot of things converged together, you know, to make this possible in the early 2000s. Um, I guess, you know, widespread use of the internet, access to quality surveys on building energy use, and increasing use of electronic data. All this fueled the rise in benchmarking. Okay, thank you. Uh, per your uh, comments, I'll just note, um, relative to healthcare facilities, this is particularly important beyond the energy intensity, because over the last 20 years, the number of healthcare facilities in this country increased by 25%. So there's just a lot more of these in number. Since I phrased it as commercial buildings, Energy Star uh, appropriately categorizes 
or places a building in its appropriate category. How many commercial building categories are there presently? And I, I do have a question. When we talk about Energy Star measurement, could you be specific about what particular scopes uh, you're measuring? Sure. Um, so let's get back to your first question, which is um, how many building types can be benchmarked in portfolio manager? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm happy to say that um, any building type can be benchmarked in portfolio manager. And as we all know, looking at, out of the cityscape, there are dozens and dozens of different building types out there. The, the gold standard, um, as we like to say, is, um, the, uh, is the Energy Star score. And um, so maybe this gets back to just sort of benchmarking in general. So benchmarking is, um, at, at its essence, right, simply comparing your building to itself over time against the baseline of whatever metric you're measuring, or benchmarking can be as complex as comparing the building to its peer group across the country. And Portfolio Manager allows you to always compare your building to itself over time. And for certain building types, the tool generates an Energy Star 1 to 100 score that compares your building's energy performance to its peer group nationally. So each number on that scale corresponds to 1% of the population. So 50 is considered median energy performance with half the population performing worse and half the population performing better. And a score of 60 tells you it's performing better than 60% of its peers. And so, I say that this Energy Star score is the gold standard because not only do you get that peer comparison, but these buildings can also get Energy Star certified by the EPA for superior performance when they reach 75 or higher on that scale. And buildings certified by the EPA use 35% less energy and emit 35% less carbon emissions than typical buildings on average. And the, the number of building types that can get an Energy Star score, back to your question, is there are roughly 18 building types that, um, that can get an Energy Star score and be certified uh, by the EPA. And um, in terms of uh, your second question, uh, what scopes? Mm -hmm. Uh, do, does, so, so remember, this, this tool was created back in um, 1999, 24 years ago, and people weren't really talking about scope one, two, and three emissions, at least not in, a, in the way that they're talking about it today. And so this building, this, this, this tool, this benchmarking tool was originally conceived as a as a, a building tool, benchmarking tool, not necessarily a scope one, two, and three greenhouse gas emissions tracker. Uh, because uh, scope one and two emissions are building related, you can automatically get your building's greenhouse gas emissions calculated in Portfolio Manager when, when, you, when you benchmark it. Um, whether you whether it's a building type that allows you to get a score or a building type 
that doesn't allow you to get a score, but you still can get a um, energy use intensity metric. And um, the, the most common metric is um, in KBTU, thousands of British thermal units per square foot. Um, and so scope three emissions are uh, defined as emissions that are outside the building owner's control, typically from their supply chain. And, um, and so you, you historically and currently you, you can't track scope three emissions in portfolio manager. Okay. But there, but there are, yeah. Okay. So thank you. So, right. So we're talking, I did want to provide clarity. We're talking weedy yet. I think important. We're talking scope one and two emissions. Let's, let's, let's get a bit more into the details relative to the, to the program and reporting. So could you provide uh, the listener, uh, I'm not, not exhaustive, but I'm asking what data is requested that participants um, collect and report uh, for, for analysis purposes? And some of it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'll just throw out one obvious. You're interested in the square footage of the building. I mean, I, I think that would go without saying. Sure. Sure. So, um, so let me, let me tell you, um, a little bit about the um, score. So um, an organization goes into Portfolio Manager and they, they create their own private account within the tool. And then they, they choose the type of building it is from a drop-down menu, and then they start customizing the building to fit their own unique operations. So for a hospital, for example, the tool asks for a handful of things like the size of the building, um, as you mentioned, or it's a multi-building campus. You know, what's the total square footage of all the, the multiple buildings on campus? It asks for the number of staff beds, the number of um, MRI medical imaging equipment. Um, it asks for the number of full-time employees, as well as 12 months of energy consumption that uh, is typically taken from the utility bills. So, um, as I said earlier, the the tool it 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 makes a, a prediction based on uh, on the energy use of these unique characteristics, and it generates a one one hundred energy star score based on how the actual energy use of the building compares to that prediction. So, if the actual energy use used is lower than the prediction, the higher the score. And, um, and so uh, that's, that is the, the, an example of the types of, of energy or data that is collected within Portfolio Manager. This is all data that is mostly easily um, accessed by, by organizations. As, as, I, as I mentioned, you know, the number of FTEs, utility energy data, um, it's, it's all uh, very easily and accessible. People who, who set up a, a, an account in Portfolio Manager, if they've got all the data compiled in front of them, they can pretty much um, get a score after, you know, maybe uh, an hour or two of, of inputting the data into the tool itself. Okay, thank you. Um... You did note that those who are Energy Star certified, those um, 
who scores 75% above, they have a 35% on average energy savings. So I, I, I want to repeat that point, needless to say significant. Um, but let's focus more on, on the healthcare industry's use and benefit. So that, let me just ask that question. Generally, I, I do want to make an aside comment that um, per the data uh, elements required for reporting, et cetera, uh, you and your staff provide participants in the program technical support. So let's just make that clear uh, to the listeners. Um, but again, the question uh, I noted in the intro, a, a good number of hospitals, well over 50%, uh, use the tool. But could you speak specifically to the healthcare's use, uh, industry's use and benefit? Sure, sure. So, you know, the Energy Star program for commercial buildings is the oldest and one of the most successful programs to provide hospitals with the, the technical know-how to improve energy performance. Over the, the past 25 years, we've worked with hundreds of healthcare organizations to cut costs by reducing energy use. They earn a recognition uh, by certifying their buildings, and they use this program to fulfill their sustainability goals. So a lot of, of our, quote unquote, Energy Star partner hospitals are um, leading the industry in decarbonization efforts. And um, I think probably nothing better explains the value and benefit of this program than talking a little bit about one of our champion partners. This is um, Memorial Herman Health System in uh, Southeast Texas. Texas. They're, they're uh, out of Houston. And they, this is a quick background, they operate 14 general medical and surgical hospitals. Um, it, has a, it has achieved Energy Star certification in 11 of those 14 hospitals. So this is an 80% certification rate, which is the highest among hospitals in the country. And Memorial Herman's journey to this top-level performance came really from, from very modest beginnings. Uh, in 2008, they called me up, and I helped them benchmark their, uh, their portfolio of hospitals in, uh, in Energy Star Portfolio Manager. And they were surprised to learn that their average hospital Energy Star score was a 41 on that 100-point scale, so significantly below the industry average of 50, right? So even some of their new hospitals scored well below 41, which was a clear signal that things were not working as expected. So naturally, they, they got to work. And early on, their energy team, they didn't have much of a track record in saving energy, they felt the need to prove themselves before asking for large capital improvement projects. So they made operational improvements to existing equipment. And they, this program of operations, it, it paid off in, in ways that really no one expected. And uh, in one older hospital, some of the healthcare engineers, they focused on repairing uh, steam trap leaks reducing uh, steam system pressure to match operations. They recalibrated some of their older pneumatic systems in the hospital. They also took a redundant boiler off standby, and they developed uh, this energy-saving competition amongst the team, in fact. In over five years, 
they raised their Energy Star score from a 29 to a 76 and saved over $1.1 million in energy costs. And just going through the process helped develop this mindset that there were always opportunities to find if they only looked. And going to, that was sort of a, an existing building perspective. Um, you know, they, here's a, a, a sort of another short story on, on one of their new buildings. Memorial Hermann had this belief that new buildings with all the modern equipment didn't need operations and maintenance like their older facilities did. So new hospitals, they were perceived to be almost like perfect examples of energy efficiency. And that perception vanished when a new hospital was benchmarked. It had a baseline score of a 38 three years after it opened for operations. And before they, they scored it, facility engineers thought it was doing okay from an efficiency perspective. But when they checked the assumptions, they started finding many opportunities and over four years, this hospital increased its Energy Star score to an 85, saving over $500,000 in the process. So Memorial Hermann and other hospitals that are in the program have used Portfolio Manager to identify underperforming buildings to target for energy efficiency improvements. They use Portfolio Manager to identify the best practices from efficient buildings, and then they spread those best practices to other parts of the healthcare sector to improve underperforming buildings. They use Portfolio Manager to set investment priorities because you know, everybody's budgets are less than, than they, they hope, and so they have to really target um, their limited budgets to have the biggest bang for the buck, right? And mm -hmm. so they're they're using they're using lower scores as a way to set the investment priorities and get those buildings up to um, you know at least average and higher from it. And then of course then they're earning recognition um, by getting Energy Star certified. And um, almost 400 hospitals uh, have earned Energy Star certification to date. So um, since 2009, um, Memorial Hermann reports that their electric consumption has fallen by 26%. Natural gas has been has fallen 70% system wide, and they have saved um, an estimated 160 million dollars, and they've reduced greenhouse gas emissions by almost 18% per square foot. And knowing this story. Uh, it's convinced me that any hospital can decarbonize more quickly than they think at a cost way less than they think, and the net result will actually make them more competitive and more profitable, and I see there's no reason why this can't be replicated by other hospitals. They, they've proved it in that, my mind. Thank you. So financially sustainable uh, to rephrase um, uh, your comment, the, the other point, <clears throat> excuse me, that came to my mind was, you know, it's the classic line, you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, yep. Let me, let me um, I have two questions. One, beyond efficiency, we're talking about reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Can you provide the listener any data relative to how, how much 
carbon, methane, et cetera, naturally other greenhouse gases that um, in- increasing efficiency have saved um, from being emitted to the atmosphere? Sure. Um, so I can I can tell you um, two uh, specific types of, of uh, answers to that question. Um, since 1992, the entire Energy Star program, and I'm talking consumer products, residential homes, commercial buildings, and industrial plants, we work with them all. Together, the program has helped prevent 4 billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions from entering our atmosphere. And it's uh, saved 5 trillion kilowatt hours of electricity. And that's worth more than $500 billion in energy costs. This is all since 1992. And um, this is, uh, again, the entire uh, program itself. Um, I know that the raw numbers may be a little hard to kind of wrap our head around. So here's another um, maybe a little contextual way to think about it. Um, In 2020 alone, the program's emissions reductions were equivalent to more than 5% of U.S. total greenhouse gas emissions. So very significant for a voluntary program. Um, you mentioned um, uh, sort of other public health impacts from a, um, from a public health perspective. Mm-hmm. The Energy Star reductions um, have also led to uh, other health benefits. In 2020, the energy savings also reduced not only carbon emissions, but they reduced sulfur and nitrous, nitrogen dioxide and, and fine particulate matter. And um, those were estimated to have as much as $17 billion in public health benefits. Um, so major greenhouse gas emissions reductions from the program as a whole I know we're sort of focused uh, in this podcast on the commercial building side of the program. So let me tell you a little bit about those um, those accomplishments. Um, in 2020, the commercial buildings program helped businesses and organizations save 250 billion kilowatt hours of electricity. Uh, that's worth $16 billion in energy costs. And um, it helped them achieve 180 million metric tons of greenhouse gas uh, reductions. Um, In um, 2021 alone, um, let me go to portfolio manager. This is, as you mentioned earlier in in, um, the discussion, this is is the the building standard. If, If you want to know how efficient your building is, you go to Energy Star Portfolio Manager to find out. And in 2021, more than 280,000 commercial buildings were actively using the tool to measure and track their energy use. And they also can use it to track water use and waste and materials if they're so inclined. Um, These buildings uh, comprise nearly 27 billion square feet of floor space. So that's where we get the this is the quarter of all the commercial floor space in the nation. Um, and then maybe one more uh, tooting of our horn on this. More than uh, 6,000 buildings earned Energy Star in 2021. And today, the total number of Energy Star certified buildings is 40,000. 
So um, lots, lots of, uh, lots of, of incredible success from a voluntary program that has been around for, for 30 years. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again. I, I appreciate you noting water and waste, uh, not insignificant. So that's important add on a benefit or component relative to the numbers you provided. I'll just note that it's been estimated by the uh, National Resources Defense Council that soot, you noted, this is the PM 2.5, fine particulate matter resulting from fossil fuel combustion. NRDC estimated that those emissions uh, account for about 800 million in annual healthcare costs. So beyond the savings, there are uh, avoided healthcare utilization costs, et cetera. So I have two more questions for you. One is, uh, we've been talking about hospitals, but I'm assuming you would argue that communities, much smaller health providers, community health centers, uh, the feds would term fairly qualified health centers, they too have an opportunity um, to reduce their emissions. So they could see like or commensurate, you would believe they could see like or commensurate benefits. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, any, any building um, that, that benchmarks is again, able to, whether they get a score or not, they're able to um, begin to, to reduce what they are tracking. And um yeah, obviously, it, uh, you know, it, it's great to be able to get a score and to get certified. Um, it, it's unclear um, if the, the, um, these health centers are able to get a score um, because we don't have the data to really uh, determine that uh, at this point because the, the, way, we, the way we get an a, a Energy Star store score created is we typically go to a sister agency of ours, the uh, Energy Information Administration, or they're, they're part of the DOE. They put out a, a periodic energy survey, and we go to that survey for most of the building types from which we have an Energy Star score created. Um, actually, hospitals, uh, the, their survey uh, doesn't actually have a, a real strong, robust sample size. So we end up going to the uh, American Hospital Association's uh, um, uh, American Society for Healthcare Engineering, ACHI, right. as it's known. Um, and uh, we, we have partnered with them. We've been partnering with them for over two decades. They put out a survey to their members, and um, they uh, uh, then collect as much data as they can on, typically it, it tends to favor general medical and surgical hospitals, but we've seen a few specialty hospitals in the data over the last two times that we've worked with them. But, um, you know, we haven't seen a tremendous amount of data from these healthcare centers at, that would give us the ability to identify, you know, are, is, is this something that can fall under, say, medical office buildings, or is there energy profile similar to, to another building type? Um, and, and until we get that data, um, we will we'll have to, you know, allow these healthcare centers to, to benchmark um, in, a, in a way that uh, provides them a, a comparison to the national median, um, which is not as, 
you know, maybe as uh, uh, sophisticated as Energy Star Score, but you know, it, it's certainly better than better than nothing, and it's it's you know, it's, it's a good benchmark to to at least compare it against when you can get it. Um, well, well but, thank you, uh, but but yeah, re- nonetheless, they could they could baseline and benchmark over time against themselves. I mean, that's as you noted earlier, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. there, there is the added benefit if there is an existing uh, uh, category, um, but at least preliminarily. My last question is, um, not surprising, obviously, the president signed August 16th, the Inflation Reduction Act. Amongst other things, it had 40-odd so-called termed energy security tax credits that are available uh, for the first time to tax-exempt entities. Uh, that they could directly monetize. And of course, the healthcare industry is largely not for profit. So they, in theory, certainly can uh, exploit these um, tax credits. Also, 216 federal agencies, councils, departments received under the IRA about $140 billion in direct appropriations, including the EPA. Most uh, significantly, uh, the EPA is working on regulations to uh, stand up a green fund or a green bank, and their other monies, but that's all by way of saying. Uh, I realize this is somewhat crystal ball since uh, all these departments that are funded are working on regulations on how to um, use these uh, appropriated dollars. But if you could speak generally to the relationship and relationship between the IRA and EPA, and specifically uh, Energy Star, I would think you're optimistic about its uh, further use and development. Mm. Sure. Um, well, uh, there is no mention of Energy Star in uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, it, it definitely provides, as you mentioned, federal tax credits and deductions that uh, empower Americans to, you know, to make their homes and, and buildings more energy efficient. Which of course will improve your Energy Star score if you're tracking it in Portfolio Manager. Um, there is a uh, called Section 179D under the Act um, that uh, extends and expands the Energy Efficient Commercial Buildings deduction that was made permanent in 2021. Um, buildings that increase their energy efficiency by at least 25% will be able to claim this deduction, and there are even bonuses for higher efficiency improvements as well. Um, so I would um, recommend, uh, if your listeners are part of a healthcare system and they're looking um, for, uh, for information on Section 179D and other uh, parts of the IRA, I'd recommend um, go to our Energy Star website, uh, it's got, uh, I think it's uh, energystar.gov forward slash about forward slash federal tax credits. All right, good. That's good to know. I will note that. So thank you for that. And I appreciate you noting the website, of course, um, so somewhat, I suppose, goes without saying. And since I've mined it, it's, I'll say to the listener, it's rich with a, an enormous amount of information and details. So with that, Clark, we're at about our time. Um, I genuinely appreciate this overview of the product or the program rather. Again, I think critical in anything and everything um, we do to try to uh, further decarbonize the economy, uh, Energy Star plays that role. 
So appreciate your time, Clark. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again, David, for uh, inviting me on your podcast. I hope your listeners will find the information useful. I think while we, we talked a lot about Portfolio Manager, I want to state for the record that Energy Star has many, many other tools and resources that healthcare organizations can use to help identify energy savings. It can make the business case for uh, investments and, and create this organizational shift needed to decarbonize. But that, of course, could be for another day. So my recommendation uh, to healthcare organizations is, is to join Energy Star, sign the partnership letter, and EPA will help you on your journey. We, we want you to succeed. We know that when you succeed, Everybody wins. The environment wins. We all breathe easier. Literally, we breathe easier. Thank nice, you, nice touch. Thank you again. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.